There are, of course, a lot of Marian feasts in the church. I mean, this is Assumption Parish, so we should think first of August 15th, the Feast of the Assumption. There's also, of course, the Immaculate Conception on December 8th, the Annunciation on March 25th. There's Our Lady of Guadalupe on December 12th. And, I mean, we could even say every Saturday. The church says that Saturday can be a day with a Marian character. So you can celebrate Masses in honor of the Virgin Mary every Saturday if you want to. So there are all of these different ways in which we celebrate Mary. We may ask, though, which is the most important feast of Mary? Of all of the ones I just mentioned, is there one that takes precedent? And I would say that this is the one that takes precedent. Because if we ask all of these titles of Mary, we'd have to ask, which is the one that's most important for her? Is it most important that she is the Immaculate Conception, or is it most important that she appeared to the people of Mexico, the indigenous in Mexico, or is it most important, so on and so forth? Well, all of those things matter only because she is the Mother of God. Today is the feast of Mary, the Mother of God. And if you take away the fact that she is the Mother of God, everything else either becomes unimportant or idolatrous, right? We might look at the Immaculate Conception and say, well, she herself is just so pure and holy. She's pure and holy or was made so by God because she was being prepared to be the mother of God. Or, you know, she herself appeared to the people in Mexico City. Well, that could look like a pagan god if we didn't realize that she is an emissary for her son. She is the mother of God. And so today is the most important Marian feast, because it is the foundation of everything else that matters about the Mother of God. And it's placed today, not like I thought growing up, because it's the first of the year, so we might as well dedicate it to Mary. It's not quite it. It's today, because today is the final day in the octave of Christmas. As I've mentioned at our daily Masses this week, Christmas is too big to be celebrated only one day. Just like Easter, too big to be celebrated for only one day. So we celebrate Christmas and Easter for eight days. We used to do that for Pentecost. Maybe we'll bring it back someday. But it's too big. So we celebrate it for eight days. That's why we're still wearing gold, which is what we wore on Christmas. Same thing would be true on Easter. On Easter we celebrate, and then for eight days I wear gold and do all the Easter stuff. Well, it is fitting and appropriate that we should end the octave of Christmas, the celebration of the birth of Christ, by celebrating his mother. You can't really have a son without a mother, and you can't celebrate the mother without celebrating her son. The fact that these two feasts, Christmas and Mary the Mother of God, should be part of the same celebration is exactly what we would want and exactly what we would expect. They ought to be part of the same celebration because they are, it's not quite right to say two sides of the same coin, but they are related to each other in a way that they cannot be separated from each other. The analogy that writers have used for Mary for a long time is that she is like the moon to the sun. The sun is God. God is the source of his own being, the source of his own energy. He is the sun. He's the one who gives all the time. Mary 
is like the moon insofar as she reflects all of the things given by God. Now, in the history of humanity, in the celestial spheres, both the sun and the moon are celebrated, but they're celebrated in proper order. The sun is what gives life and gives energy. The moon reflects the beauty of the sun. The same is true with Mary. We start this celebration with Christmas, with the celebration of Christ, who is God, who is, you know, infinitely greater than anybody else we could celebrate. We start with Christmas, but we end with Mary. We end with the celebration of the mother of God, the one who cannot be separated from the Christmas story, the one who who has to be thought of in Christmas. You can't have a nativity scene without the Blessed Mother. Don't try. It's not worth it. You need the Blessed Mother in a nativity scene. What do we take from all of this? It is perfectly appropriate that the definition of Mary should be Mother of God. There are multiple Marys in the uh, in the Bible, but this is always Mary, the Mother of Jesus, or Mary. I guess the Bible itself doesn't say Mother of God. We resolved that in the fourth century, but but she's always given to us in relationship to her Son. Well, the Church also says that Mary is the example for all of us. She's the Queen of all saints. She is the the one whom we should model our lives after first and foremost. And we should model the fact that her life is defined by her son. You cannot think of Mary without thinking of Jesus, and that's as it should be. Well, can we say the same thing about ourselves? Will the Lord say the same thing about us when we meet him? Can we say that when we think about our life, we cannot think about our life without also thinking about Jesus.